so interesting. And um, if you like to learn, those things are clear. And so you can, again, watch them again and again on Right Now Media. And um, I watch the whole thing. And then there's like character of God. There's so many things. I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you're visiting with us, you're going to be like, oh my goodness. He picked a hard passage today. Well, I didn't pick the passage, actually. That's, that's the thing. Is when you put together a preaching calendar and you kind of say, well, this is what our church needs, you don't get to pick. Does that make sense? And, and that's, that's to prevent people from just bopping around and doing just whatever they want to do versus following the Lord, right? So um, we're in a series called Spirit-Filled People. And I named it this because, um, again, a few weeks ago we had somebody speak in tongues in our service. Before you all run out the door, right? That was weird, right? Weird for most of us. And yet, to the New Testament scriptures, that's not weird. It's only weird to us, right? So, it's like, how do we explain this? What are we going to do? How are we going to, you know, operate? And so... Um, I set out to teach this series in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and to help us understand how to be spirit-filled people in the church, all right? That's where we're at. Spirit-filled people, what are spirit-filled people? Maybe I should ask. People that have the Holy Spirit, right? Right? Now, you might be full as in you took a drink of the Spirit, says that people, when they are saved, they take a drink, right? Or you might be full, as in the Bible refers to sometimes being drunk, right? It's like being drunk, and you're like, oh, I'm not drunk. It's like, well, yeah, good. <laughs> you shouldn't be drunk, right? With anything but the Spirit. You don't want to be full of anything else, but you want all of the Spirit. You want the Spirit to have all of you. So, Filled with the Spirit, fullness of the Spirit, really good thing. So Spirit-filled people, that's what we've been after, all right? And, and then I want to say this, um, speaking in the Spirit. So not just Spirit-filled people, but then speaking in the Spirit, right? Saying things the Spirit wants you to say, that the Spirit brings to your mind or whatnot, like saying those things that's important as well. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 have been talking about that. All right. Now, I caught you up. Last week, I did more than that to catch you up, but that is all you're going to get today. I also need to say one other thing before I read the passage. Keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? God is love, so yes, God, yes, love, yes, Jesus, right? The focus is on God, right? Jesus, in particular, it became a man, so it's like the most tangible thing we can kind of get our hands around. We have a lot written about him, so, but God in general is the main thing, right? An interesting uh, illustration I heard this week, it's like, Jesus was here, right? Where is he now? In heaven, right? But he started talking about the Holy Spirit before he left. John 14, 15, 16, 
Then after he rose from the dead, he started talking about the Holy Spirit again in John 20, 21. Why did he do that? It just all clicked for me. You know, Kimberly, how when we go on like a pastor's retreat or we get away, we have a babysitter. Somebody that comes and watches our babies. Well, they're not babies anymore. <laughs> Noah's at college. Uh, our baby is eight. Does need a babysitter. Uh, Quinn is eight. He has Down syndrome. So definitely needs a babysitter. Well, our kids are going to be watched by somebody. So what do we do? I've seen my wife do this over and over again. It's good parenting. Well done. She starts talking about, well, you know, Aunt Cheryl's going to be watching you. And Aunt Cheryl's going to take you here or there. And this is the schedule. And Aunt Cheryl's going to, like, and she's going to do all this. And she's going to be the one that you go to, you know. Can you imagine if we didn't do that, if we didn't set that up, how it might be a problem when we leave? Well, especially, not dad. They're not going to be, hey, where's dad? They're not going to be thinking that. Like, mom, you know, I want my mom, especially Quinn. Mom, mom, mom. You know, it's like, no, not mom. Mom's not here. You need the babysitter, right? I just thought this was so clear to me. Jesus left us with a babysitter, a really good one, like equal to him, God, called the Holy Spirit. So don't like get all upset about the Holy Spirit being your babysitter until Jesus comes back. Embrace the fact that you have such a great babysitter, right? And stop screaming for your mom. That's just something I've had to learn. And it just was so clear to me this week. So hopefully that helps. Okay, let me pray. I'm going to read the scripture. And then I'm going to break it down. I'm going to read 40 verses. Strap up, all right? That's a lot to read. But I'm going to read it for you because I want you to get the whole thing. Father God, in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I need you. There is nothing coming out of my mouth that will help people apart from you making it clear. So God, what I've prepared make clear, and what you've prepared to say that I don't even know you're going to say yet, make clear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue, literally glossa, is language. One who speaks in a language speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries to the, in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Who needs a little upbuilding? Who needs a little encouragement? Who needs a little consolation? Yep, I'll take that. So that's why this is important, all right? So, now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues or unknown languages... How will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation? It's kind of like a form of prophecy. Knowledge, prophecy, teaching. 
if I don't bring you one of these, what good's it going to be? He makes it a little clearer with an illustration. If even lifeless instruments, such as a flute or a harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if a bugle, a horn, ram's horn maybe, gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech which is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. Just speaking into the air. Right. There are doubtless many different languages in the world. I think we came up with 7,000 last week. Thanks for whoever looked that up on Google. And none is without meaning. They all have meaning. But if I don't know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker. There's an alienation there. And the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in be building up the church. I want you to take out your pen. I want you to highlight that verse. Verse 12, very important. So with yourselves, he relates what he's saying to them. We have to relate what he's saying to us. Okay, do you see that? He's saying it to them. They have a situation. We're saying it to us or God's saying it to us, we have a situation, we have to relate it in context. But I want you to highlight the context here. Since you are eager for manifestations, for the Spirit to become real, usually through speaking, but sometimes through actions like miracles or healings, casting out demons, if you're eager for manifestations, you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. I want you to underline that verse. If you don't underline that verse, no, you got it. All right, I'm going to keep going. Therefore, one who speaks in a language, an unknown language, a tongue, should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, uh, but I will sing praise with my mind also. We did that just now. Otherwise, if you give thanks, pray or praise, with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of outsider, we're going to come back to that word because that's a tough one, say amen. May it be so. How can they agree with you? How can they agree to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000... It's not really 10,000, it's myriads of words. So it might be like to the power of five. <laughs> so many thousands. <laughs> words in a tongue or an unknown language. Keep going, we're halfway there. Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Only have childlike faith. Right? 
but don't be children in your thinking. Be infants at evil. Yeah, you can be infants at that. Don't be a, a, a mature at eat, doing evil, right? <laughs> be a kid at that. Don't do it. Be innocent. But in your thinking, be what? What does it say? Mature. Grow up, right? That's really important for the passage. In the law, it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. He's talking about Israel. And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. That's a problem. Not listening to God is a problem. Okay. Thus, tongues, or an unknown language, are a sign, a miracle, literally, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Why prophecy is, the sign is not in the Greek, but just added, while prophecy is not for believers, but are not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and an outsider or an unbeliever enter, will they not say, you are out of your minds. That might have happened in Acts 2 when they were like, you guys are drunk. Right? Okay, just, this is all kind of making sense. But if all prophesy, if we all were declaring something that God gave us to declare, whether something we studied before or something He gave on the spot, if we were all speaking in the Spirit, imagine now, not all, not all at the same time. He'll get to that part. And an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. What? That's pretty cool. You're going to tell him something about himself that he didn't know yet or that he knows and he doesn't want you to know? And so falling on his face, you don't see that a lot in church. Falling on your face, that seems a little bit too out there. When you get hit with the power of God, you get low quick. That's real church. He will worship God and declare that God is really among you. The word there is in you. Among you doesn't do it justice. In you. He'll say, whoa! God's in you. That's what we want God to be in us. What then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one has a hymn, that's a psalm, a song, a lesson, that's a teaching, a revelation, that's from God, no study involved, a tongue, an unknown language, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. I want you to circle that or underline that. Let all things be done for building up. He's going to give that as a guardrail, and then he's going to give another guardrail in verse 40. And it's like, stay in these guardrails, okay? Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at the most three, and each in turn, not all at the same time. Why? Because it'll be confusing. And let someone interpret, that's the key, but if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church 
and speak to himself and to God. Okay, I got more to say about that, but keep going. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. So we're supposed to be discerning, all of us. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. I'm going to explain this in a second. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. Keyword: all. All, 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 all. Okay. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. That's good. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in churches. Before you ladies walk out, let me explain. For they are not permitted to speak. It's getting worse. Like digging a hole, I can feel it. But should be in submission. Okay, there's the point. As the law also says, if there is anything that they desire to learn. Women, do we want to learn? Yeah, guys, you want to learn too? Uh-huh. <laughs> if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. What if I don't have a husband? That's a good point. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. All right, now get it in the context. We're going to come back. Or was it from you that the Word of God came? Did you guys write the Word of God? Anybody? Okay, just making sure. This is like a pride check. Or are you the ones who, the only ones it reached? Are you the only saved people in Rochester, Minnesota, let alone the world? No. Okay, so it's easy. It's just like, get low, no pride. I'm not the only one. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet, no pride, or spiritual, spirit-filled people, that's what we're talking about. He should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. If anyone doesn't operate by this, you're not recognizing him as a person who can speak in the church. That's the way I'm reading that, okay? He's not recognized. It's not that he's not recognized. I recognize you. You look like a human. <laughs> or maybe I know your name. But if you don't believe these things are true, you shouldn't be speaking in church, right? You're not recognized. You don't get to come to the mic. That's what he's saying, right? So, my brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues or unknown languages. But, underline this, all things should be done decently and in order. All things should be done decently and in order. All right. Everybody say that's a lot. Perfect. Then I don't have to preach at all. You know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it very high level. I will dive in a little bit so it's not confusing and I don't leave you with any potholes, hopefully. But I'm going to give you an overview and we can always come back, okay? And what I want to encourage you to do is to study this. I have on my phone Logos, which is a, like a way that I learned the Greek, 
right? And can, can I see what it is? And I'm telling you, I'm just going to pull it up so I can be clear about what I'm saying. I'm telling you, in, in this, I have 27 different words in this passage that I was like, I need to know what that means, right? Prophecy, I need to know what that means. Revelation, I need to know what that means. Outsider, I need to know what that means. Unbeliever, I need to know what that means, right? There's so many words in here. I didn't know, need to know what woman meant. I, I didn't know what that means, all right? Female, I get that, all right? But there's just a ton of words. So I may reference um, the first word that I looked up was spiritual gifts. And like I said earlier, two weeks ago, it doesn't say spiritual gifts in the passage. It says spiritual, spirituals, spirit-filled people, people that have the spirit in them. That's required first before you can speak in the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you can't speak in the Spirit. So I just want to point to salvation and say, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You can't say Jesus is Lord even if you don't have the Holy Spirit, right? Like, so it's like, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord. All right. Now we're going somewhere with the Spirit, okay? All right. I'm going to give you three principles to live and love by. Okay, three principles, I see them in the passage, they're really clear, to live, and I included love because he just had the love chapter, right? To live and love by. If you're a spirit-filled person, hope you are, if you're not, see me, or if you're confused, see me, I'd love to talk to you about it, and if you want, if you desire to speak in the spirit, which is what he's saying they do, and they might be a little overzealous, I think we're opposite. So let's just paint that quick. They're being rebuked for being too zealous about spiritual gifts in the Spirit, speaking in the Spirit. Are we being accused of that? No, we are not. <laughs> no, 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 we are not. All right? We're, could be, if Paul came to our church, he would write a much de different letter. He'd be like, you're saved? Where's the evidence of the Holy Spirit? Really? Where's the power? That's what he would write to us, okay? I just, I could feel that in my spirit. He would rebuke us for not having any power. For a dying world out here that's all around us, that don't see anything different in us, and they feel no power exuding out of us, which says, God's in you. That's our issue. So, I'm speaking to a much different crowd in this passage. Can we just get that out there? All right. So, the first thing I want you to know, spirit-filled people speaking in the spirit, that's what this is all about. Three principles to live and love by. All right, first thing, edification is essential. This can apply to all of us. Edification, the word literally means to build up. Uh, we were out to dinner with Todd and Kristen uh, on Friday. We were at the food hall. Have you guys been to the food hall? It's like this new place right across from the ear of corn. It's pretty cool. Well, they have all these old pictures of downtown. 
and I was studying this and thinking about edifice and edify and a building and a crane. And I got to this picture because, you know, now it's like they put up this huge crane and all this steel. And I'm like, yeah, but go old school. What was Paul talking about? Was he talking about the temple? Right? Was he talking about the temple, maybe? Maybe that was the hugest building they had. And I, I saw this picture of the plumber house. And the plumber house is like this giant building. And then all these like two-story buildings, brick buildings, are beside it. You go look at it sometime when you're eating there. It's really good food. And, and it was like, that's it. We're all a bunch of two-story buildings, right? And God's like, dude, you could be the plumber house. I want to build you up. Do you get that? Like, why do we settle for like a two-bedroom house when we could have like a skyscraper. Well, how does that come, Steve? Build yourself up. You're like, what are you talking about? All right, look at the first five verses. This is the foundation. Pursue love, that's chapter 13. Earnestly desire the spirituals, that's chapter 12. You can go back, you can listen to the messages when I get them online, I'm working on it. Especially that you may prophesy. He's basically saying, you guys think tongues are up here and you need to go like this and right-size the thing. And he tells us why. He says, for one who speaks in a tongue, so he's not saying it's wrong, he's saying it happens. One who speaks in a tongue speaks not to man but to God. For no one understands him. If I started speaking in my prayer language right now, you would all be like, you're nuts. You would be like, that's not, that's not intelligent. You're right. Because I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Right? He utters mysteries in the Spirit. Why then would somebody talk in an unintellectual language? Why would he do that? Well, keep reading. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people. Right? For their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue does what? Edifies, builds up himself. You get stronger as you talk to God, whether in your mind or in your spirit. You get stronger as you communicate with God. We all probably could say we came in and we're going to leave at the same time going, I wish I prayed more. Anybody? It's like, I wished I prayed more. You know, be, I've been a pastor for 20-some years, 25 years. I've always thought, man, I wish I could pray more, right? And then, like last year, I've told you guys, like, you know, something changed in my prayer relationship with God where I'm praying in an unknown language, in a tongue. And that's one of the reasons we're, we're even talking about this because I understand it more. I didn't understand it before. And so it's like, okay, you know how I feel now? I wish I prayed more. <laughs> so nothing's changed. Right? Oh yeah, lots changed. But I still want more. Because it edifies, it builds up. Alright, just come half an hour before the service and pray with us. And, and that'll help you build up. Okay, keep going. Builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want all of you 
to speak in tongues. We kind of skate by that, don't we? I want you all to speak in tongues. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so the church may be built up. Now, I could spend the rest of the time just on that. Don't have an allergic reaction to the Holy Spirit and in particular to an unknown tongue. Pray that you will receive that and pray if you have it to interpret so it can be helpful to the church. Okay? That's how I'm reading this. Like, Paul wants you, all of you, okay, you're like, that's just because you do. No, okay, Acts 2. What's the point of Acts 2? It's the start of the church, right? But if you go back and read Acts 2, they've been praying in a room for 10 days. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit breaks loose. He comes into the room. And then he falls on each one of them individually. Some kind of visible sign that the Holy Spirit's on them. Are they spirit-filled people? They are now. All right? And what happens? They begin to declare the mighty works of God. In a language I can understand? In a language they could understand? Nope. I would call that speaking in tongues. That's how the church started. People want to debate about how, what they were saying and blah, blah. They were talking to God. And people entered and said, whoa, I can hear you. I can understand you. That's a miracle. That's how the church started. A miracle happened where they're speaking in an unintelligent language, you know, like whatever, blah, 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 unknown. And then all of a sudden people are hearing them. And then people start to say, wow, God is in you. And other people start to say, hold on, you're drunk. It's exactly what's described here. It happened. And then you know what happens? Peter is like, enough of this. No. The Holy Spirit says, Peter, it's time to talk. And Peter talks and everybody hears him. spoken Aramaic, but how did they all hear him? Did they all speak Aramaic? Everyone heard him. He prophesied, which built the church. All right. Edifying, edification is essential. If you aren't being built up in your life, I'm not sure how you're going to help the church, right? But don't stop there and don't come here to try to build yourself up, right? Come built up and here, what are we going to do? Build up the church, right? That's what we're going to do because we love one another. All right, so the bottom point, the application, that's really important. So this is the takeaway of verses 1 through 5. So build yourselves and others up in love. You know, what is it? I still am like, what does it mean to build myself up? So I'm going to turn to Jude. You don't have to, but you can. Can you find it? 
right before Revelation. Not a lot of people there uh, going to Jude. But let me just, this is a call to perseverance. Let me just read you the few verses. Verse 17. But you must remember, beloved ones, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's more of the last time than it has ever been. In the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, loved ones, what does he say for them to do in order to persevere? He says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. It's going to be a great mercy when Jesus comes and takes us off this planet. And we need that. Until then, you have a job. Build yourself up, and when we come together, build the church or each other up. Okay? All right. I think I've nailed that. Let's keep going, right? Verses 6 through 25. I can't read all of this. Um, again, I've read it for you before, but here's the point. Clarity is critical. Here's one of the problems with, I don't even remember what day it was. The day I wrapped up our series, Stay, Waiting for the Promise, and I invited people to come down and receive the Holy Spirit or to be filled or more full with the Holy Spirit. The day I asked for that to happen... A few people spoke in tongues all at once. It was confusing. Some people had an allergic reaction. Other people just stepped back and said, what's going on? That's crazy. Okay? I get it. Okay. This is helping us understand why didn't that make sense? Was it a revelation? Was it knowledge? Was it prophecy? Was it a teaching? Not so much. It was speaking in tongues. And it wasn't beneficial to some of the hearers. Now, if you were a tongue-speaking person, you were like, man, praise the Lord. More power in the church. Build themselves up. Because them being built up builds us up, right? That's how you thought about it. But if you'd never spoken tongues before, you're like, that's crazy. You drunk? Yeah, a little too much sauce? What's up? So he's explaining it. He says, a flute. Anybody play an instrument? You ever played a wrong note? That's what he's saying. You're playing wrong notes if you're speaking tongues in public with no, like, orchestra. Right? Who's the conductor of the orchestra? We're going to get to this in a second. Who's the conductor? Who's doing this? I want to say Jesus. But who is it? It's the Holy Spirit. Right? Who is Jesus? God. All right. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, they're doing the orchestrating, right? And it's like, you, 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 a little more here. All right, I'll take some of that. You know, it's like, it's, it's an orchestra. It flows. Okay. If you've ever been in a band, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then maybe this illustration will help you. You been in a war? You got walkie-talkies, right? Who came up with that name? 
I mean, we don't call it a whammy kablammy, right? Like, how do we get walkie-talkie? I mean, that's weird. I'm walking and talking, you know, like, geez, that's weird. I don't know, how, but, you know, we have walkie-talkies now, but they didn't then. And it was like, the guy blew the horn, and if it was like this kind of distinct noise, it had to be distinct, we went left. If it was this, we went right. We charged, we retreated, based on the sound. So if you played the wrong sound, somebody's getting killed. Now take how serious that is into the church. When we don't play the right sound in the church, someone could get hurt. Right? And I think we've seen a little bit of that. And it grieves us, right? We hurt with those who hurt. And so that's, that's one of the reasons we're preaching and getting after this even. All right. Then he goes on one more illustration. He says, doubtless there's many different languages. Anybody speak a foreign language? Nobody? Good. I'm in good company because I am not good at languages. Right? But if you did speak a foreign language, you all didn't raise your hand because you don't want me to call on you. Ah, Somebody speaks a foreign language, you just ain't going to do it. Okay, so, but if you did speak German or something else, and you spoke it to this audience, we'd be like, right? We'd just be like, it's not helpful, man. If I started preaching in Spanish, you'd be like, ah, I know hola. <laughs> See? It's like, oh, I got that. El baño? <laughs> yeah, I need that. Okay, so... You might get a few words, but you're not getting it, right? So that's the point. He's like, hey, if you're speaking a different language than the other person, they're a foreigner. They don't get it, and it's not helpful. Now, he gets in, and he comes down, and he says, since you are eager for manifestation of the Spirit, strive very, I mean, I looked up that word. That's an action word for sure. Strive to excel in building up the church. His whole point of the passage is, you need to work hard. Put your hand to the plow to build the church. I think that's a foreign message to the American culture. I think the American culture is building their empire, building their 401k, building their reputation, building their resume, building their house. That's what we're doing. Now, I didn't plan to say any of that, so maybe that was prophetic. All right? I'm just going to call it out. But Because I'm testing these things, too. I'm trying to figure it out, what's going on. But that wasn't planned. I don't have that written down. I've never thought any of those thoughts. But I'm telling you, that's a strong word. And it's a bit of a rebuke, I think, to us. Right? When are we thinking about, how much money am I going to give to build the church? How much of my time am I going to give to build the church? How much of my time am I going to give to building me in Christ so that the church will be bigger and better, right? Like, just think about that. How am I going to develop my talents? What talents I have, how am I going to steward them for the body? Like, that's a good way to think. But I don't think there's a lot of Americans, honestly, I'm one of them, that are really thinking that way very often. And I think he's saying, hey, good for you guys. You're all over it. Yeah, tone it back a bit, you know? And I think to us, he'd be like, you guys need to turn the volume up. Do you even care? I mean, Jesus came. He died. He rose. We've got to tell everybody about it. And telling them isn't going to be enough. 
we got to tell them in a powerful way. Where's the power in your church? I think he, that's where he would be. Okay, so that being said, come back to clarity is critical. So here's what he says at the end. He gets down to verse 19. Just skip, skip forward. Um, he gives, if you do speak to- in tongues, he gives you some great instructions there from 13 down. Okay? He gives you some great instructions. He says in verse 19, Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 or myriads of words in a tongue. Now I'm going to I'm going to find my note here on this. I wrote it down. Sometimes God gives you stuff and you're just like, oh man, hold on, that's going to be really profitable. So let me see if I can find it. I'm not finding it yet. One second, because I feel like this needs to be said. A lot of notes. Sorry for the... There it is, right there. It's like the second sheet. Come on. I've got a lot of notes. It's a long passage. Here's the thing. Paul in verses 18, see what he says there. He kind of drops the mic on him. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues, in unknown language. If you want to idolize Paul, maybe idolize what he does. I speak in tongues, in unknown language, pray to the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, more than any of you? Does it say any? It says all. I'm like, what? Like, what are you, staying up all night? So, so one of the things, when I met Pastor Bob, and um, I was like, dude, you're a little nuts, dude. Like, you stay up all night praying? That's like a little over the top. You see how skinny he is? He's like fasting all the time. I'm like, dude, you could, you could eat a few things. I need to fast, right? It's like, it has nothing to do with weight, by the way. But, I mean, so I wrote this down. I, just, I wrote this down. I'm not glorifying anybody. I just said, I understand. I honestly think Pastor Bob could say that to us, to our church. I see his dedication to speaking to God all night, hours and hours and hours. Praise God. Right? And then I wrote this. And yet Paul says in church, I would rather speak five words, prophetic words, with my mind. So let's try this on for size. Jesus is Savior and Lord. Five words. That's the gospel. I was like, oh yeah, that'll play. It's just those five words, we can go home. And then I wrote this down. Speaking with God is powerful. Five words. I want to be really clear with you today. I want to be really clear with you. Church, write those five words down. Speaking with God is powerful. Those are the five words that I want to say to you today. Speaking with God is powerful. There's another five words. 
speaking for God is powerful. When God gives you something to say for Him, prophecy, right? Speaking with God is powerful, whether in the spirit or in the mind. Speaking for God is powerful. And Paul says it's even more powerful if God gives you, the Spirit gives you something to say for Him, say it in love, right? But say it. All right. Sometimes you want to say things that God gives you during the week. Sum it all up this way. Speak clearly to instruct others in love. I'm your pastor. If you trust me, I'm saying to you, pray for gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Pray for the gift of tongues that you might build yourself up. Don't abuse it. Right? But that's a good start. Then pray for interpretation. Right? Or pray for prophecy that you might build up the church. Right? I feel like we're missing something. Right? And it's like, we need this. We need this power. If we want to see multitudes of people come to Christ, there has to be, like, the gospel message is powerful. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus, with the gospel message, not just my own human words, more powerful. That's what we need. Okay, I'm going to get to the third one. Here it is. What then, brothers and sisters, when, I come, when you come together, each one. Now, this is why on September 12th, we are going to change the order of service. I'm going to stop preaching this long. I'm going to preach 30 minutes. I'm going to preach shorter passages, a little bit easier, Lord willing. And, and you're going to participate. This is why. I studied this verse, and I was like, what? We don't do that. If I'm listening to the Word, we don't do that. We have a worship leader come up, he does his thing, or she does her thing. We have a preacher come up, he does his thing, and we go home. Maybe we sing another song. Maybe we'll pray corporately. Occasionally we'll have an open mic. You can read one or two verses, please. God forbid we go open mic and somebody really confesses a sin or speaks for the Lord. That might get out of control. Yes, in an immature church it would. But can we grow up? Can we build ourselves up and build one another up to be mature in our thinking like an orchestra, right? I have my part to play. You have your part to play. Let's work in tandem. Let's work together to see God be glorified, right? That's what he's talking about. So, here's the third point. Order is obligatory. I never use that word. It's hard for me to write it down, but it's an O word, and it's alliterating. So, order is obligatory. No, it's mandatory. That's it. I just, order is mandatory, right? Like, we can't have disorder in the service. So, again, if I was to go back to the day when tongues broke out in our church, here's how I might handle it now. Whoa. I feel like God's doing something, but let's, let's take a second. Let's be quiet, right? And let's let the Spirit work. 
Let's not create confusion. There's going to be peace, right? And then maybe one by one, up to three, right? We could have those things. If no one interprets, then that person is supposed to what? Speak to himself and to God. That's kind of a weird way to say it. Because we already know what speaking to God. What does speaking to himself mean? Keep it to yourself. Under your breath, right? So sometimes you'll see me over here during prayer or something or during worship or something and I'll just mutter under my breath a little prayer to the Lord. It's great. That's what you should do. I don't need to be yelling it out. I don't need to be getting your face. Like It's me with God myself. You get that? Okay. Order is mandatory. So he gives you five things here. If tongues, and he describes it, what should happen? And he, he kind of lays it on him when it gets to tongues because he's like, no more than three. Right? Does he do that with prophecy? No, he says three, but he's not like, no more than three. Right? So the problem is tongues. The problem is they've abused this. Right? That's why he's kind of pounding the snail. All right. So you have if interpret, or, or if uh, tongues, here's how we use that in the church. He says, if prophecy, here's how we use it in the church. If interpret, here's how we use it in the church. And then, um, let me get in order. Tongues, interpret. Then prophecy. And then he says, if somebody's prophesying. So let's just say Todd, okay, is up here and he's like prophesying. And he's like, guys, God gave me this word for the church. I'm not sure it would come like that, but like whatever. And, and he's like, here's what we need, right? And he brings clarity to something in our church. I felt like the guy that prayed last week, I went back and listened to that prayer again. At the end of our service, the guy that prayed, he prayed prophetically over our church. Everything he said, he had no idea about, but he was like, ding, 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 ding. And I was like, eh, who are you? You just read my mail. That was a prophetic prayer. So he did that. Okay, so say Todd's up here and he's doing a prophetic thing. And a revelation comes. What's a revelation? God's like, boom! And Ashley's like, whoop! You know? I gotta say something, right? Maybe I shouldn't have picked Ashley because she's a woman and I don't know. Like, all right. So we'll just go with Ashley. And Ashley's like, hey, I got a word. She stands up, is silent. Right? This is respectful. Her standing up shows Todd, I have a word. Todd either finishes his word or senses in the spirit he should be done and silent because the Bible says, okay, be silent, senses from the spirit what to do. And then Ashley, once Todd's done, says what she needs to say from the spirit. Do you see how it works? That takes what? Maturity, patience, isn't that what love is? Love is patient and kind. Doesn't seek its own thing, right? So you can see how this is all kind of working together. And it's all there in the scripture. Don't get it twisted, right? It's like, I have a revelation. I stand up. Somebody's prophesying why I have that revelation, okay? And that person either finishes, maybe wraps it up a little quicker, <laughs> Maybe he says, well, I'll wait, you go, 
They go, and then he comes back, and he finishes his word. It, it, it's an orchestra. And it's love, and it's seeking the Lord, and it's deferring to one another. That's how it works. It's humble. It's patient. It's kind. That's when God shows up. God does not show up when I want to get mine. God does not show up when I want to do what I want to do no matter what. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. You're going to hear me. God does not show up there. All right. I hope that's clear. So here's the point. So follow the plan laid out in love. I could have said laid out in Scripture, but isn't Scripture loving? Follow the plan laid out in love. Paul doesn't hate these people. Paul loves these people. These are his spiritual kids. He led them to the Lord. This is his church. He planted it. He loves them. And because he loves them, he's willing to correct them when they've stepped out of bounds and to say, hey, come back to where it should be. Let's put some training wheels on so that you guys can start to paddle and get on the right path. Is that helpful? I mean, I felt like this passage is helpful. Okay, the women thing. All right, we'll just go there. I'm going to read for you a commentary that I think was really helpful. And then I'm going to leave it at that. And again, I told you, I'm going to have to come back to these passages and um, preach them sometime. This is from verses... This is going to be fun. This is from verses um, 34 and 35. Okay. The woman should keep silent in the churches. Here's what it says. Since Paul seems to permit wives to pray and to prophesy as long as they do not dishonor their husbands by the way of their dress, okay, they need to adorn themselves properly, it is difficult to see this as an absolute prohibition of their speaking in church meetings compared to Acts 2.17, where women were speaking, and, and to, um, well, actually where um, it's in Joel where he says, all people, it's on all people, sons and daughters, right? So you've got to interpret Scripture by Scripture. And um, Acts 21, 8 and 9, do you know what that is? Any Bible nerds? Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven deacons, had four prophesying daughters, so that's, they're women, Paul is likely forbidding, let me get my place here, women to speak up and judge prophecies. This is the activity of the immediate context. See 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 29. Since such an activity would undermine male headship. So let's just say Todd's up here prophesying and Ashley, instead of standing up and waiting, goes, uh, I'm weighing that, and that isn't right. Do you see how that would be a problem? Because now we've undercut God's system. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where he talks about head coverings. Oh boy, we can get to that next time. Um, here's the point. God is the head of Jesus, Messiah. Jesus is the head of man. Man is the head of woman, right? Covering covering, covering. It's not a bad thing. Authority is not a bad thing. Authority is a covering. 
That's what it is. Don't blow through your covering, right? Don't despise what God's put in place to help us. The law also says Paul is probably thinking of the women's creation from and for the man as well as a general pattern of male leadership among the people of Israel in the Old Testament. So that's all I'm going to say. He's not saying, okay, you guys can say goodbye, hello, you can talk on the way out. We're not saying, women, stop talking. You're never going to talk in church again. When you hit the doors of jam, zip the lip. He's talking in the context here of problems. Tongues is a problem. Do it this way. Interpretation is a problem. Do it this way. Prophecy, do it this way. Revelation, do it this way. Women speaking in church, do it this way. And the reason he's saying these things, if you use deduction, is there's problems in the church with this. So let me ask, do we have a problem with women usurping men's authority in this church? I'm just asking. I don't have an agenda. I'm asking you to think critically because I, I take the word of God seriously and I think about it and I pray about it and I don't think we do have that problem I don't so I think let's not get to the point where we have that problem and let's apply this passage and not get all bent out of shape about it okay so Jesus I'm going to sum it with this Jesus did more for women's rights and for women in general in his three years of ministry than anybody will ever do in all of creation. And we follow Jesus. So let me go back to my first statement. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus. Let's keep our focus on Jesus. And anything else we disagree about, whether I talked about it today, whether I inferred it today, we can just skate right by that because our eyes are fully fixed on Jesus. And we can decide to build one another up and love one another because our eyes are so firmly fixed on Jesus, nothing else, everything else pales in comparison. Let us pray.